the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. It is the right time for Hi Kids. Hello and welcome. This is Hi Kids, for kids and bar kids. My name is Jacob Gordon and I'm 12 years old. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I'll be talking with Adam Glass, an author and musician. He'll be talking about his new book, Underwater Zero. And also on the show, I will have the riddle to challenge your thinking and lots of other things in store today. Also, uh, here are the details. If you have any questions for my guest, if you want to answer the riddle, if you just want to say hi or ask any questions, anything really, the SMS number is 34519 and charged at 150. Or you can send me a WhatsApp absolutely free on 0621482374. And please sign your name so I can give you a shout out on air. You can also call us on 0101403020. Get ready for an interesting show on Car Kids today, right after this. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. The last song you heard was Mbubu, The Happiest Hipper from Beautiful Creatures, created by Alan Glass. Well, not only me. I can't take credit. I have a writing partner, Ed Jordan, and a business partner, Paul Horrod, so all of us are involved in it. Okay, thank you for that. This is Car Kids for Kids and Bar Kids. My name is Jacob Gordon, and I am 12 years old. And here on Car Kids, we love learning about the world from our top experts. But as a kid, I also want to interview other kids. Have you done something special? Have you achieved in the sport, the arts? Do you have an interesting hobby or talent? We would love to meet you. It's just so easy. Just email kids at kfm.com. Car kids for kids bar kids. And now it's time for the riddle. Let's have a drum roll, everybody. Drum roll, please. The riddle is what starts with a T ends with the letter T. What starts with the letter T ends is filled with T and ends with in T. Sorry. If you know the answer, then send me an SMS on 34519 or WhatsApp me 0621482374 with your name and the answer. And yes, you could win a prize from Ken and Co. if you are the first one to get the correct answer. However, you have to give others a chance to win. So if you have won the prize from the riddle in the last 90 days on KFM, you can still enter for the riddle, but you will not be able to win a prize. Today, I have Alan Gloss and an author and musician in studio with me. If you have any questions for him, you can send an SMS to 34519 or WhatsApp me 0621482374 or you can call us on 0101403020. Good afternoon, Alan. How are you? Hi, Jacob. I'm great. Thank you. Good. Thank you. And uh, we're... We're going to start by asking you a few personal questions, sure. if you don't mind. I don't mind. Right. So, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Emmerensha in Johannesburg, and uh, yeah, in the 60s and 70s, a long time ago. What school did you matriculate? I went to King David Victory Park for all 12 years of my school life and matriculated there as well. And then you have a BA in Dramatic Arts from Wits, is that correct? Uh, that is true, yeah. Uh, did you always want to be involved in drama? <laughs> I think, I'm not sure I had any talent for anything else. I'm not sure I had talent for that either. But um, at the time, it was quite a tricky thing because you had to choose when you were at school. You had to either go to the army when you came out of matric or you had to go to varsity. And I rather wanted to go. I did eventually go to the army, but I wanted to go to varsity first. And um, I guess the drama faculty was the one place that was prepared to take me. So I, I went for four years. Right. Okay. Uh, so you started out in 1988 writing and 
for and performing with an a cappella cabaret group. Correct. Right, and what was that group called? So that was called Not the Midnight Mass. So I went traveling for a while, and I came back. I traveled, I was in Israel for about a year and in Europe, and I came back, and um, I needed something to do, and I got involved with this a cappella singing group. Originally there were four of us, and then later five of us, and we traveled the country, and we went to Grandstone Festival, and we went all over the place, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, but that was yeah, a long time back. Right. And how would you describe what cabaret and acapella is to our younger listeners? Well, acapella just means without instruments. So all the stuff we sang was just with our voices and all the noises we made and sounds we made were, were vocal as opposed to, and, and being a, well, cabaret is just a, an art form on stage, just entertaining people. Right. And you then became involved with the production of events, advertising campaigns, TV, radio production, and all. Yeah. I, I still do that. I needed a change. So I remember I had a, what is called an epiphany. I had a moment on stage where I thought, why am I doing this? I was about to get married and I thought, well, you know, why am I standing on stage when my then fiance was down the road at a party? It was New Year's Eve. And I thought, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be normal. Not that actors and performers aren't normal, but we lead odd lives in terms of timing. So I thought, okay, I need to change. And that's when I kind of got involved in media and advertising and events and production, and I still do do a lot of that. Okay, and you're still very much involved. Yes, yes. So I have uh, my own company, uh, Alan Glass Production, and I also work with a fantastic woman called Vicky Friedman. We have something called Fried Glass Event Productions, and uh, we do some great projects together, really fun stuff. So uh, so I'm still involved in theatre, and a lot of the stuff we do is entertainment-driven, but I have a great time being able to create that stuff. Would you agree that singing and using your voice as an instrument to entertain and educate children is your real passion? Yeah, I think you're right with that question. Um, it's certainly something that gives me the most joy. If I am able to, as I have been, I've been doing a bit of a schools tour. I was in Cape Town last week doing some schools. I'm doing some more next week in Joburg. And the ability to communicate with song and with, with stories I think is beyond the classroom. So if you go to normal, if you go to school, yeah, your teacher's going to teach you stuff and that's great and hopefully you're going to be open to learning. But if somebody comes and they bring with them a different energy and a different way of teaching, and I don't intend to teach, I intend to just share my songs and share my, my music and my books. And if kids get something out of that, then fantastic. Then, then I've achieved something. Right. So for, for you, basically singing is just an achievement for you. I was singing, I always sang. I saw you had another question there about singing. I, I always sang from when I was a tiny little thing. And, um, much to my sister's irritation, I suspect. And, um, but it was just always part of my life. And then when I couldn't sing anymore because my voice was breaking and sort of vomits for time and all that, then I kind of switched to acting for a few years and eventually landed up back singing again. Have you ever had vocal training? I have. I can't say very successfully because uh, the singing teachers and I did a lot of talking and not much singing. So I was taught by three different people. Um, the late Eve Boswell, who was a fantastic singer, but we, she just told me stories about how she escaped Europe in the in the twenties uh, or thirties, and um, she had a fantastic story. So I just used to listen to her stories. I don't think we sang much at all. Uh, then there was a lady called Norma Biaggi who I learned with for a while, and she had a lot of strange cats that all and she all lived in this apartment <laughs> in Hillbrow and just smelled of cat wee. Um, so I didn't learn much there either. And then when we were doing Not the Midnight Mass, we had a fantastic um, singing teacher called Sari Lamprecht who used to say, oh, it's not complicated, just sing. She was an opera singer, but she, she taught us to just enjoy singing as opposed to what, focusing too much on the technique. Right. And do your teenage daughters also have good singing voices and like to sing? Yes. So my, my older daughter was in fact involved in all these all the uh, Beautiful Creatures albums. I took her into the studio when she was about five and she sang on all the albums. And uh, my younger daughter um, prefers, is a great musician. She plays and she she's a, she loves music doesn't really sing she plays um, but they are both very musical
Africa, which is great. All right. I, I love singing personally. Good. I'm glad to hear it. And, yeah, I just really enjoy it. And so. you're going to be a DJ, clearly, or a, or a radio host, at least. <laughs> I mean, you're starting really young, which is fantastic. I think I only went into the radio studio the first time when I was about 16. You're what? 12? Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, so, moving on to Beautiful Creatures, which is your main company, Ooh. is it not? Uh, where did you, where did you get the inspiration and ideas to create this? Okay, so I, when my, my own children were quite young, sort of three, four, five, I was listening or forced to listen to music that I didn't particularly enjoy, kids, what is kids music, and I think often people compromise with kids music and they, they think because it's for kids, it shouldn't have the same production values as normal music. And I, I disagree. Ed and I disagreed. So the things we had to listen to in the car with our, our young children were just annoying. So I wanted to create something that was more parent-friendly, certainly, and something that people would listen to as a family and kind of create a, a cohesive unit for the family instead of kind of going, well, you know, Jacob, go listen to that in your room because it's not so nice. So I'd rather you listen with your parents or and, you know, we, we sort of promote family values. And when did this come, where did you start putting this idea together? So I wrote my first children's song in 1987 when I was about 20 for my niece, who's now over 30 and has her own kids. And um, then some years later, in about 2003, <coughs> excuse me, Ed and I started writing songs together. Um, I'd written a whole bunch of songs. And I wasn't sure if they were going to be songs or books. And like in Boo the Happiest Hippo that you heard earlier, I'd written that and I'd written, uh, the, so my first song was Down Comes the Rain, which I'd written in 1987. And, um, then I, I approached Ed and we, we put five or six songs together. And then we got together with Paul and we, this was in 2004, we released our first album in 2004. Um, who is Paul? Paul, uh, <laughs> good question. Paul is our third partner, Paul Horitz. And he was from the music industry. So we dragged him back into the music industry and made him our partner. And we, we created our own record label because of him. And he's still, we all, the three of us are still involved in the, in the album. How many albums are there? Uh, well, I think we have seven and an Afrikaans album, so call it eight. The one album called Beautiful Lullabies is a compilation of all the lullabies across the other albums, so don't, that really counts. So we've got, so call it seven. Okay. And, uh, did, does each album have a different theme? Yeah, well, generally the first, the first three, Beautiful Creatures, More Beautiful Creatures, and Even More Beautiful Creatures are all about African animals. So we've got Imbuba the Happiest Hippo, we've got Lucas the Lazy Lion, uh, we've got a song about a zebra called ZBDBD, we've got the Hardy Dar song our, um, on our second album. And, um, third album is also about animals. And then the, the fourth album was about, is called Beautiful Me, which is about children's issues. So there are things about anger management and sibling rivalry and breathing and things that, uh, we believe, uh, are more, or issues that children might have had. And hopefully those, those issues can be resolved with the use of this album. That sounds really interesting. Oh, and then, oh, and then sorry, one more thing. Then we eventually got back to animals again and we got Beautiful Creatures of the Sea, which was about, you know, obviously sea creatures and then this new, new book, Underwater Zoo, is from that. Right, and uh, how long does it take to produce an album? <laughs> well, from like when you come up with it until it's released. Uh, well, Ed and I used to go away for a week or two and go and write songs together, uh, come up with an idea. So we knew basically what we were, we would research it before, and kind of work out which which animals we were interested in researching and, and singing about, and then we would go away and write the stuff. And then it would take about five, six months of in and out of the studio and tweaking lyrics and changing things and then designing, the obviously, the covers and designing, you know. So uh, each album took approximately a year all in. Okay, so you've been working on it for quite a while now. Yeah, that's, I think Beautiful Creatures is now about 11 years old or 12 years old.
As old as you. Are you planning on coming on with any new albums? Well, we actually wrote an album that we've never produced um, called African Safari. We wrote all the songs, but we've never we've never actually put it out there. And maybe one day we will do that. But at the moment, we're quite involved with our books. So this is our fifth book. Fourth, well, fourth book, and I have another one called Oliver's Outline. But uh, yeah, well, we will. I'm sure we'll bring out another album eventually. Which, if any, of your albums is your favorite? Oh, definitely the first one. First one's the most magical one, uh, just because it's also that that feeling, Jacob, when you hold your first—it's like holding your first baby, really. You hold hold your first album in your hand. I remember going to collect it. Paul had collected them from the the CD manufacturers, and I held this thing, and it was fantastic. So I think the first one will always be the most special for me. Uh, do you ever suffer from what is uh, people call writer's block Definitely. when you're writing? Definitely. Um, it's not, it's not something I focus on because I write when I feel moved to write. So if I have an idea, and ideas happen, as you know, inspiration happens from everywhere. So you might get an idea from somebody or something, some, basically some, somebody might say something, you get an idea and then you write from that. Um, but yeah, every now and then I go through patches where I can't write at all and then it, there's a lot of writing and a lot of ideas coming out. Some of it works and some of it doesn't. What do you do in the case of writer's block? What is your best method mm. to help? Think about something else, <laughs> or oh, meditate. I don't know. Just, just don't, don't worry about it. Because I think the more you worry about anything, the more it becomes a problem. That's very true. Wise words, right there. Thank you, sir. Have you ever received any awards for any of these albums or books? Yeah. Uh, so we have two Sama nominations. So Sama is the South African Music Awards. We've got two Sama nominations, and then for our stage play, Beautiful Creatures on Stage, we won the Naledi Award in 2010 for the best production for kids. Right. I'm feeling like a quick song break. <laughs> Speaking about songs. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. You definitely are listening to Car Kids, and that last song that you heard was Beautiful Creatures, and it's actually their theme song. My name is Jacob Gordon, this is Car Kids show, and my guest in studio is Alan Glass, author and musician. We're going to finish off our interview, we were in the middle. Great. And I'm going to ask you about your books. Sure. Okay. So can you briefly explain us uh, to us how many books you've written and what they're all about? Okay, sure. So w- what we did was we wrote a bunch of books that were... Uh, around the themes of our, mostly our first album, beautiful, our first Beautiful Creatures album. So we've got Lucas the Lazy Lion, My Foot of the Elephant, Imbuba the Happiest Hippo, and then from our second album, Harry the Hungry Hardy Dar. Um, and then I also wrote a children's book called Oliver's Outline, which is about anxiety, really. And I only discovered once I'd written it that it was really autobiographical. So it was mostly about me, um, cause I was quite an anxious kid. And I'm a moderately anxious adult, but I know how to deal with that. Um, but as a child, you don't know why you're anxious or why you're feeling things. And this little boy, Oliver, feels that he hasn't got an outline. And he goes, yeah, you can, sorry, I know this is radio, but you can have a look at that. You can see he's kind of missing his outline. And he goes in search of it to discover, of course, that he had it all along, but he had to go on this journey to find it. And um, so I wrote that, and that was that was um, published by Pan Macmillan, who now distributes all our other books. And then this year, we've just come out with a, a book from our Sea Creatures album, and it's called Underwater Zoo. So the premise here is, and this is now in stores as well, the premise is that a lot of animals 
uh, sea creature animals, basically, sea creatures, have names that are similar to land animals. So you get catfish, lionfish, tigerfish, dogfish, and seahorses too. There's a hawkfish, leopard eel, and an elephant seal. It's an underwater zoo. So, so, and there's a lot of educational material. So each animal we describe, there's a whole bunch of info. And so we're pushing more the sort of conservation element of this as well. What age group would you say underwater zoo is for? Um, I guess anybody who likes to be read to. So from when you're probably two up, uh, two, three years old until you're reading yourself, so six or seven, um, maybe even eight, um, and uh, hopefully parents as well. What about the information, though? Is it, like, detailed? Well, absolutely. So this information, so one of my very best friends is a guy called Dr. Neville Swade, who I was at Habonim with. and I, In fact, he taught me to play the guitar on a Habonim bus many years ago. And we're still good friends, and he is a marine biologist, or marine scientist, as he calls himself. And I got him to check all the facts on this as well. So I can assure you that every fact in this book is accurate, uh, as per Dr. Swade. Right, thank you for that. And then, have you ever received awards for your books? Not yet, but uh, um, we're we, we open to that. Happy to, happy to receive whatever awards you want to give us. <laughs> the rewards, you know what, the rewards, Jacob, are how people respond to them. So a re- it's great to get an award, sure, who says no to that? But the real reward, or real award, is when children or their parents say, my son, Jacob, enjoyed your music, or we listened, often we used to get people saying, we carried on listening to your songs in the car even after we dropped dropped the kids at school. That's a great compliment. So um, if children and their parents are gaining some value and they're enjoying these things, that is that reward is the enough. That is reward for you. Absolutely. Right. And then I just want to go back. You were speaking about Oliver's outline. Yeah. Have you ever considered becoming a psychologist? <laughs> um, well. Because it sounds like you know a lot about this field. <laughs> I, I don't know if I do. I think I, 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 think I would have. It might have been a good career. I kind of didn't go that route. But thank you, Jacob. I will take that under advisement. <laughs> uh, moving on, where did you get the idea for Oliver's Outline? Ah, very good question. So when we were doing our first book, uh, I'll show it to you now, uh, this book, My Foot of the Elephant, which is about, a, it's actually about anti-bullying, really. It's about a little elephant who gets bullied because she's big. Um, yeah, and, I remember uh, the song. Yeah, so yes, yeah, My Foot of My Foot, you're getting so fat. And the idea behind this book was obviously not to tease and not to bully because that's just a horrible thing to do, as we all know. And it has terrible impact on kids who are, the kids who are bullied are affected often they hold many of, many years for the, of their lives. Um, and while we were doing this book, our illustrator, Sandy Lightly, just made a, a comment to me. She said, you know what, I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to write a book or do a book about a, a story with, about a little boy without an outline, like a dotted line. And that was the idea for it. And I kind of went, oh, that's a good idea. And that afternoon, so this is a few, few years ago, that afternoon I, I wrote the first draft of Oliver's Outline. And do you think that a lot of psychologists would actually use that book? To I hope help so. Children deal I, with I hope so. If they, if they know about it, I'm, I'd be happy to share information with them or give them copies because, you know, if, if it can help, why not? Okay, and then where do you buy them from? So that okay, so yeah. all the books are available, uh, mostly, well, certainly exclusive books and Baby City and a lot of the smaller bookstores as well. You can always uh, ask for them. We do sell online, I think, as well. It's a little more complicated, take a lot in all those kind of places. You can go to our website, beautifulcreatures.co.za, or send us a message on our Facebook site, also just under Beautiful Creatures. Um, and, uh, yeah, but generally exclusive and Baby City are a good place to start. Right, and then your albums as well? Yes, absolutely. Okay, same places. Oh, and Reader's Warehouse also, also stock our stuff. Right. Uh, what message would you like children to get out of reading your books or listening to your albums? You know, Jacob, I think if, if kids and all their parents come away feeling that they have gained some knowledge, and if one child 
decides not to poach our rhino because of what we've written or not to throw plastic bags in the sea or to because we're very keen for people to stop using plastic bags in shopping shopping centers especially in Cape Town is a big problem because the stuff lands up in the sea animals eat the, the fish eat them and, and, and die literally so if we can find ways of so a friend of mine said to me you know we've a lot of people come to South Africa for the big five Obviously for other things as well, but they come for the big five. But would they come for the big four or three or two or one or the big nothing? They wouldn't. So we have to preserve the animals and the, the, the heritage that we have if we can. So if one child comes away and decides not to support rhino poaching or to buy into something, uh, you know, buy a piece of ivory with, you know, elephant tusks, then we've achieved something. So that in itself is an achievement, just one person. If one kid, change the one, world, if you can change, change one person, world. you can change the world. Change the world one piece at a time. Exactly. Uh, I noticed you said earlier you produced a stage production of Beautiful Creatures in 2010. Yeah, 28 was our first version in Monte Cassino. Then we did a version in 2010 over the World Cup with Hazel Feldman and her, her, um, her company. And... Um, Learned her fortune from Hazel because she's the queen of such things. And um, then we did another version in 2014 and a shorter version last year. But we, we the plan is to bring that show back and, and do it again. So when would you intend on doing it again? I'm hoping within the next year we'll have another version. It's, it's quite a complicated show to put on because there's seven people in it and a lot of costumes and sets and things. Yeah, but we do I'm want to sure. bring it back. And you direct the show or? No, I don't usually direct it. I produce it or co-produce it. Um, the last version was directed by Gina Schmuckler, who's a very well-known South African director and actress. Um, and, um, uh, my partner, Vicky Friedman, uh, in my bit, my Friday Glass business, um, choreographs it. So we, we have a lot of fun with it. All right. So, um, where do you, sorry, let me ask that again. <laughs> um, would you like to share? Some like just feedback that you've got from people about your books or your things sure. that have been like heartwarming or just well, you know that you made a difference. One of the most I, I don't know if this is the right answer to that question, but one of the most extraordinary things I've ever experienced was we went. I went to I was doing the Kingsmead Book Fair a couple of years ago, and I went. I was invited to the St Vincent's School for the Deaf. And when I walked in, I took my guitar with me, and I thought, well, they're not going to be able to hear me. So I asked the, one of the teachers or the head, headmistress or headmaster, and they said, no, 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 they can. The, the kids who can't hear can still feel the vibrations, so plug your guitar in. And they, when I taught them the song, so that the teacher signed along in sign language, and when I sang the song, all the kids, and there were probably 60, 70 kids in the room, all signed along with me. And it was such an amazing moment because I could reach them even though they couldn't hear me. Um, I'm not that, not sure that answers your question exactly. It does, <laughs> and there is no correct answer though, because I did ask if you would like to share those. Oh, ah, yes, so that, that, um, that, that was such a, an amazing moment. I'm happy to share it. Okay, thank you for that. And are there any moments that you weren't so happy about? Or well, none? one of the frustrations of, of this business is, is the technical side of it. So you, you know, you land up at a school and they are expecting you, but their microphone doesn't work or they haven't thought it through or, you know, um, for sometimes it's just nice to arrive and everything's working and organized. Yeah, but that always happens with technology. Yeah, it's a tech thing. Yeah, you can't really change that. And, um, lastly, what is, um, the most memorable? Are there any other things you'd like to share? Um, I think, you know, every school I go to is, it has its own unique personality and the, the feedback I get from the kids is fantastic and the teachers. And, um, 
uh, the, the other day I, went, I was in a school in Fishhook in Cape Town. I finished my songs and I was busy packing up and about Ten little children came and hugged my legs. <laughs> okay, they sort of attacked me. <laughs> so I must be doing something right if they felt the need to sort of connect with me on that level. And, and lastly, but not least, uh, what is your most memorable moment you've had during the creation, production, publishing? After yeah. all that you've done, what's the most memorable wow. thing? Hmm. I went to a school last year, Orange Grove Primary, yeah. and it's a school that doesn't have much. Um, they have a reading program, and I'm very keen on encouraging children to read. I was a terrible reader as a, as a child. I couldn't read very well. I don't think I'm necessarily dyslexic, but I, I struggled to read, and also because I have three older sisters, and they used to read to me, so I thought, well, ah, boys don't read. Why should I bother? So apart from being a bit sexist about that, I took a long time to learn to read, and now I'm involved, obviously, in writing and reading and voiceovers and production stuff where I have to read. And I still have a moment, Jacob, when I walk into a, uh, into a, a, a voiceover studio and there's a big thick script and lots of, lots of dialogue or stuff and I have a moment of panic. But that's Oliver's outline coming out there. Um, but I went to the school, this Orange Grove school, and I thought, these kids aren't going to know my songs. They're not going to, they're kids who are, who are impoverished, who don't have much. I thought they're not going to really relate to what I do. And I walked into the school and there were 600 kids in the school. Um, there was, all the sound was set up. And they had all drawn little pictures for me, and they had been taught all my songs. And I felt like a, a rock star of sorts. They screamed for more, which was quite bizarre, really. Um, but I had a fantastic morning because I kind of thought, okay. And I've got video of these, these kids really enjoying and, and getting something out of what, what we were doing. That must have been very heartwarming for you. Um, I have one last question sure. that I'd like to ask. Um, you said, uh, sorry, you said sexist. Would you like to explain what that is? No, same, sorry. So, um, we like to believe that men and women are equal. Yeah. And, uh, by saying that only boys, but that only girls read, that means I was being sexist. I was saying that only girls read and boys didn't. But, um, that is, that is, I don't know if that adequately explains, but we, you know, obviously it does. It, everybody should um, be treated equally is what yeah. I'm trying to say. I get you. And then I'm just saying that is not true. I'm a huge bookworm and <laughs> okay. I love reading. Fantastic. Uh, thank you for Good. coming in here it's today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Jacob. about your wonderful job. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. Thank you.